0: This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome, and Kevin is a gigantic nerd.
1: No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain, and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo?
2: <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by Fandle. Take a shot at betting the NBA with Fanduel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg help. Com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy
3: in every journey.
1: All
2: righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Friday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Johnson Stremski. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Flying into Memorial Day weekend. And I think a tale of two different New York stories for this particular Memorial Day weekend from the action on Thursday. The Rangers, who are now facing elimination, and the Yankees, who started their series with the Tampa Bay Rays with an absolute bang. We'll start with the Rangers, though. You wanted to see, on the road, In Carolina, how would this team respond after losing the first two games in Carolina, returning to Madison Square Garden, playing two complete games, playing their best game of the postseason in game number four, and would that translate into success for game five? Well, we got our answer. It was a big, fat, resounding no As the Rangers got whooped every which way, losing 3-1, to the game was never that close. It really was never that close. Outside of the Mika Zibanejad snipe, and outside of the goal that was overturned on the offside, the Rangers did absolutely nothing in this game on offense. Nothing. To the point where you looked up at the end of the second period, and you're amazed, How is this only a one-goal game? Because the Rangers were getting thoroughly outplayed. The physicality, the the way they were able to get it done, the forecheck, power play opportunities, you name it, they weren't getting the same power play opportunities in game five. Their forecheck clearly wasn't as good, and Carolina was a lot better. Carolina cleaned up their act. They weren't going in the penalty box nearly as much. They go and they score a shorthanded goal. Then they get the breakaway to make it a two-goal game early on in the third period. And that was the moment right then and there. You knew the Carolina Hurricanes were winning the game. So now reality sets in for the Rangers. It's simple. It's win or go home on Saturday night. And what's also staring you in the face now is the potential of what's coming in Carolina for a potential game seven. Because here's what we know about the Hurricanes, folks. They are undefeated in their home building. They all winless on the road. They put a seven-game series with the Bruins. Home ice basically dictated the terms of the series. I would not be surprised if a similar script plays out in the next two games. Like, Did I see anything tonight that would have me feeling confident from a Rangers perspective that the Rangers could go and win game seven in Carolina? No. That could change in a couple days. Hot goaltender. Big game six win. Somebody ends up being a hero. Like, wacky things can happen in a game seven. So I don't like their chances right here and right now to win this series. Full disclosure, I'm being perfectly honest. I'm being perfectly clear. I do like their chances to get it back for a game seven. You want to know why? The Rangers have been a gritty, tough, resilient team all year long. After all, it's the same team that was down 2-0 in this series. And they were down 3-1 against the Penguins. I think they're going to show up on Saturday night. I think they're going to show up in a big way. What they do beyond that, that's a much different tale. And if you're looking for somebody specifically to step up, Chris Kreider's got to step up for this ranking team. He's got 50 goals in a regular season. Zibanejad has had his moments. Panarin at times has had his moments. They need to get Chris Kreider going. And you do have to wonder if Gerard Gallant gets that kid line back together for a sixth game or a seventh game. But no issues with Igor Shisterkin tonight. The Carolina Hurricanes were flat out the better team. And now the Rangers respond or their season will come to an end in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So not the effort, not the performance you were looking for in game number five. I'll tell you what was the performance that you were looking for. And I'll tell you what was a performance that was a sight, I can't even say for sore eyes, because I've seen it all year from this damn guy. Nestor Cortez, I've run out of things to say. Honestly, honestly, honestly. The adjectives, the superlatives, the praise. The guy is a fucking stud. Let's just call it what it is. He's pitching out of his freaking mind. He's giving you eight plus shutout innings against the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm not even surprised anymore. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, how are you surprised? He has now done this from July on. And the crazy thing about Nestor, he's getting better. He's getting better because he's going deeper in the games. And the Yankees are allowing him to go deeper in the games. I mean, Aaron Boone let him throw 100-plus pitches tonight. He's got 106 going into the ninth inning. I'm like, wow, what world are we living in? But I can't stress this enough. The Tampa Bay Rays have owned the New York Yankees at Tropicana Field. For the better part of the last 10 years, the Rays, as an organization, have taken great satisfaction in sticking it to the Yankees. This series scared the crap out of me because there's no Stanton. We're waiting on LeMayu. Donaldson is not there. You look at the bottom of the order, it's not exactly anything to write home about. I mean, the Yankees are picking up Matt Carpenter off the street, for goodness sakes. I went into this series saying, somehow, way, get a split. And in many ways, a split kind of just continues to validate what this team has done for the first two months of this year. To go and win this game today, they score all these runs without a homer. You'll love that. Judge, big hit. You'll love that. Rizzo, big hit late in the game to give you insurance fantastic. And a har, who, by the way, I'd rather see over stiff Aaron Hicks and over stiff Joey Gallo hitting the ball hard. That's how you start a four-game series against a team that, in my opinion, is your biggest threat and your biggest challenger to go and win this division. That's how you start the series. But Vanessa Cortez, not surprised anymore. The guy is pitched like for two months, one of the best pitchers in all baseball. And I'll start the campaign now. We'll be out at the All-Star Game in July at Dodger Stadium. Nesta Cortez better be out there. Now, I know he's got another month. He's still got a pitch at a high level. The storyline is amazing. He has earned it. He keeps pitching like this. I'm going to be campaigning for him to start the freaking game. I can't get enough out of Nesta Cortez. And Jacko texted me this a few weeks ago, and he was kind of like half kidding. I'm not half kidding now. If the playoffs started tomorrow and I'm rolling out one starter to go and win me a game, it's not even close. It's Nesta Cortez. It's not a knock on Garrett Cole. That's how good Cortez has been. You have the utmost confidence anytime he's out there on the mound. Beautiful start to the series for the Yankees. The Carpenter move is interesting. I thought it was a direct result of DJ LeMayu. And this wrist injury, which scares the crap out of me because any time you hear about a wrist injury, it just gives me flashbacks to Mark DeScher in 2013. Carpenter was a guy I loved with the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, 2015, Matt Carpenter is a stud. Clutch, lefty, versatile, ultimate gamer. I mean, the last three years have been lost years for Matt Carpenter to the point where he's playing a triple-A for the Texas Rangers and he's begging to get out of his triple-A contract. Maybe the Yankees catch a little lightning in a bottle. I already love the mustache. I was thinking about growing one out. I don't think it would be a particularly good look on TV. I don't want to look like Ron Burgundy, so I ain't going to go there. But his, his mustache is pretty badass. Between he and Cortez, you basically got Mario and Luigi. I mean, somebody said that to me earlier. I was like, yeah, you're onto something there. You're onto something there. But maybe that means less it bats for Marwin Gonzalez. Maybe it's something to do with DJ Mayu, but I'm intrigued. And it doesn't cost the Yankees anything. Like, we know they need an outfielder. That's something they're going to have to address in July because Hicks and Gallo are just out-and-out out disasters. The fact that the Yankees are 32-13 and 13 with those two guys playing the outfield is remarkable. But why the hell not roll the dice on Matt Carpenter for a couple of weeks? And let's see if he could play. And let's see if he could have a role on this team. He's a lefty. He's a gamer. Let's see. Maybe you got a nice backup who knows a thing or two about playing in big games. So I was intrigued. I saw that. It came out of left field. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Matt Carpenter and then Shane Green, who probably will be pitching for the Yankees in the second half of the year, knowing the track record of Brian Cashman in bullpen moves. So great start for the Yankees. Go get one of the next three. I'm not even greedy. I'm seriously not even greedy. Go get one of the next three. And I'll tell you, the guy's got to pitch well this weekend. Can I see Cole go out and give me seven innings of one-run baseball? Can I see that? Like, I don't expect it out of Tyone tomorrow. I think this is going to be a tough start for Tyone tomorrow, even though he's been really, really good. Cole on Saturday, when I get off the golf course, put me in a good mood. That's all I'm going to say. Put me in a good mood. Now, Mets it on the Phillies this weekend. The Mets, after Monday's win against the Giants, had two games, the heartbreaker on Tuesday. We were on Spotify Live for that. And then on Wednesday, when they ran somebody out there who's got no business being in the big leagues, we wonder, all right, how's this pitching going to hold up over the next two, two and a half weeks? And my answer to you is they've got, they got to score runs. That means guys within this lineup, when to his credit, has stepped up over the last few games. McNeil has been unbelievable. Nimmo has been unbelievable. Can has been really good. Like the Mets are going to have to win some 8-5, 7-4 type of ball games here as they weather the storm without Scherzer. And without the Grom, we'll see if the Grom is back by the end of the month. I still don't really believe that timetable, but that's on the table too. So there are a lot of moving parts with the Mets. They still, despite everything that's going on with them, seven game lead in the last com over the Braves and the Phillies. And they play the Phillies this weekend. They're basically like done with the Philadelphia Phillies after this weekend. They've played them so many times over the first two months of this year. Go make another statement. Go grow that lead in the division that much more. And Carrasco, who has been very up and down, he's been pretty good for the most part, but when he's been bad, he's been really bad, go and set a tone and start this series off with a bang. So three for the Mets, taking on the Phillies, expect them to keep winning series. It's weird that we're actually talking about the Mets coming off a series loss. But when you go three and three on a West Coast trip, you got nothing to apologize for. So we did a Spotify Live earlier today, and it was a ton of fun. Every now and again, this happens. Technology, you know, it's a pain in the ass. It's a bitch. Our audio didn't come through. So we're not posting. But because of the dedication of the New York, New York fans, and I didn't even expect, I said, we're doing a live. People know the deal by now. If we're doing a live, we're not taking voicemails. We had a bunch of voicemails coming. Like, I even told Stefan before the start of the show, I was like, shit, the live didn't post. I'll just do an open We'll get to our buddy Sean Fantasy in a little bit because it was a very sad day in Hollywood. If you're a fan of Ray Liotta, seeing Ray Liotta pass at 67 years old, way, it was way too young. That was another gut punch. We've had enough of those this week. We had another one here on Thursday. But I didn't expect any voicemails because I was like, yeah, you know, people call over the weekend. Well, we got a bunch. We'll get to them. And if you want to get in touch with New York, New York for the weekend, which should be an important Objective of your Memorial Day, you know, honoring our veterans, enjoying a little R and R. Maybe it's a little beach, maybe it's a little golf. I know I'm going to be playing a bunch of golf this week. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll hear some voicemails.
3: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles And your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com.
2: Voicemail time. Let's do it, Steph. 917-382-1151. Get them in for Sunday. And away we go. Let's hear them.
3: What's up, JJ? It's Kyle from Brick. Um, Good start to this uh, first series with Tampa. Also. I, uh, get to it. I hope you have a, a good more day weekend. But, uh, good start for this year Tampa. I'm actually in the, uh, the population that thinks Tampa is not very good this year. I don't, I don't think that, um, they're the, the, Tampa teams of the past. Um, that being said, you know, Cortez with a great, a great win tonight. Um, I was, I was hoping he can go the distance, but, uh, you know, I think Booney, uh, you know, saw that 109 pitches and gave him the hook. But, you know, when the Yanks are playing as well as they have, I, I think you start to nitpick. But Joey Gallo, dude, he is just unwatchable out there. Um, you know, I, I, or as you would say, it's stiff. And I, I, he's a terrible, terrible baseball player. And it just shows you, like, you know, you could play. You know, in Texas and hit 45, 50 home runs and, you know, do all that where you're losing 90 games a year and where it doesn't matter. But when you come to the big stage, and you know, it, it's just, it, it's a separator. And I think Joey Gallo, they got to do something about him. They got to make a decision on him. We're at Memorial Day and that's, you know, as, as you know, that's when teams want to, they, they kind of, that's when you tell you're in it or you're not. And I think that, um, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on Gallo and Hicks, for that matter, uh, in the next coming weeks. Um, so, love the show, man. But like I said, have a have – a, enjoy this Memorial Day weekend. Play some golf. Do what you do. Have a couple cocktails. And uh, I'll be listening, brother. Be good.
2: Well, I appreciate that, Kyle. And I can guarantee you some golf and some cocktails is on the horizon, including some content Saturday night after Rangers game six. We'll be doing a live over a couple of cocktails. And then on Sunday, we're back with a full-fledged pot across the board. Um, two points. One I agree with, one I disagree with. I think you're selling the race short. You want to tell me the Rays aren't as good as they've been? You want to tell me that pitching is not as good as it's been? You could make that argument to me. This team is still throwing us out of the Yankees. I still have the utmost respect for them. And I still believe when it's all said and done, They're the biggest threat to the Yankees in the division. That's why this series to me is so important. A split here with the Yankees being in the shape that they're in, I think it's a great sign for them moving forward. I really do. And I've said this countless times with Gala. He's a flawed player to begin with. The Yankees didn't give up much to get him last year. You got a two and a half month look. I said it right after the wildcard game. Get rid of this guy. He does not fit. He is not a complete player. Like, The contrast between Gallo and Rizzo couldn't be more startling. You know, some of the stat geeks would actually tell you it's close. They're idiots, okay? I I won't put it any more blunt than that. They're idiots. Rizzo, watch him every day. You know, sometimes, folks, don't let your eyes deceive you. Watch the way Rizzo plays, the way he plays defense, the way he approaches at bats, the way, hey, even if he's 0 for 3, you're confident in a big situation, that he's gonna give you a good at bat and get a hit like he did in this game tonight. Gallo, on the other hand, is automatic 0 for three, two strikeouts, it feels like every single night. And then occasionally runs into one. Here's what I know Gallo on 110 at bats is in a buck 65 with five homers. Whoop the freaking do. He and Aaron Hicks, get him the hell off my team. Get him off my team. Yankees, 20 games over five hundred with these two wastes, absolute wastes. It's actually mind-blowing when you think about it. But the Yankees will get at least one outfield between now and July 31st. Remember I said that, at least one. Okay, who's next? Hey,
0: what's up, JJ? It's Peter Westchester here.
2: Hope all's well. Uh, got a couple quick ones for you. First of
0: all, I just wanted to comment really quickly, uh, on the Rangers fans who were on some of the Spotify live that you posted saying that Islanders fans need to shut up, acting like they weren't doing this the last two years when we were in the playoffs making it to the Eastern Conference finals. But hey, that's okay. You know, this is their time to enjoy. So hope they are enjoying it, but let's not, let's not pretend like Rangers fans weren't talking shit when the Islanders were in the playoffs. Okay. That's fucking bullshit. Okay. That's number one. Number two, really quick. When. The Yankees made it to the ALCS game away from World Series in 2017. I always wanted to call the fan and talk to Francesca about this and ask him this question, but obviously can't really get in touch with Mike these days, so I'm asking you. And this is a bit of a, you know, the question is a bit different now because of how the Yankees have changed, how the roster has changed. But I'll, I'll boil it down really simply. I'll just say, J.J., does Aaron Judge win a World Series as a New York Yankee?
2: Thanks as always. Good call, Pete. I do believe that Aaron Judge will win a World Series as a New York Yankee. Will it be in 2022? Hmm. That remains to be seen. That remains to be seen. But I'm going to die on this hill. Aaron Judge is going to be back long-term with the New York Yankees. I'd be stunned if it's not the case. Absolutely positively stunned if it's not the case. For what he means, for what he brings to the Yankees on and off the field, they're going to pay him. They're the Yankees. When they want somebody, they keep somebody. So I, I don't expect Aaron Judge, like, in five years now to be wearing a San Francisco Giants jersey. I don't. And as far as the Ranger-Islander dynamic, look, the Ranger fan, to me, had to shut their mouths the last two years when the Islanders were in the conference finals. The Islander fan this year has got to take, take a step back. they got to let the Ranger fan have their day. And you want to talk some crap, do it after they're eliminated. That would be my advice. But right now, you got to kind of defer to the team that's still playing in the postseason. Last but not least, let's hear it, Stephon.
3: Listen, JJ, I can't believe you had the nerve to tweet before the Yankees race series that you'd be perfectly content with a 2-2 split. That is a loser's mentality. We're going to Tampa, and we're going to take all four games, and anything less is a disappointment. Stop with this. Let's just split the series. That is ridiculous. This is a new team. We have new expectations. This is the last year Yankees. This is a new Yankees team and guy out there, won the first game. Nesta Cortez is just absolutely absurd. I, I, it makes no sense how this guy who was basically a journeyman is going out there and throwing eight scroll off the floor, being charged for one run in the ninth inning. I, I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense. He's never pitched in the eighth inning all in his whole career and he has three of his last four stars. Makes absolutely no sense. Yankees finally back on a little track here. Glad Aaron Hicks is hurt. Addition by subtraction. Let's go, Yankees.
2: Okay. 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 I love your confidence and I love your bravado. Do you see the lineup the Yankees are running out there? Folks, I keep it real. The Yankees ran out a lineup today that featured Matt Carpenter, who was playing a AAA as of like two days ago. Marlon Gonzalez, who could get DFA'd at any moment. Or a guy, Trevino, who's hitting like sixth in the order, and IKF, who doesn't have a homer this year. That combined with no Chapman, no Lillizaga, no Green, in a place where they never play well. I mean, they never play well against the Tampa Bay Rays. I stand by what I tweeted, and I'll take it a step further. Even after winning the first game. Of this particular series. I am going to be A-OK on Monday. Hopefully waking up. Maybe getting ready for a round of golf. I don't know. But I'm going to be A-OK if the Yankees split the series. Yeah. That's how much of a pain in the ass the Rays have been at Tropicana Field. And the Yankees are not going into this series at full strength. Let's not lose sight of that. Please, let's not. My right, voice bells were really good today. Didn't expect to be using them. If you joined it on Spotify Live, you were great. Voicemails, you were great. Remember, Sunday, get the voicemails in. Over the weekend, watching the game, hanging out, whatever you do. Voicemail number is 917-382-1151. So I was thinking of this guy today because I woke up, got the terrible news with Ray Liotta. And Ray Liotta, to me, had one of the more iconic roles in one of the more iconic and rewatchable movies that I will ever see in my life. And that's, of course, he rocking Henry Hill and Goodfellas. Because, like, you think about De Niro, as brilliant as De Niro is, he's got a bunch of movies he's in. Pesci, even though Goodfellas is his best role, in my opinion, he's in Casino. He's in uh, My Cousin Vinny. He's in Home Alone. Pesci's kind of all over the map. This with... Basically, Field of Dreams is like the pinnacle for Ray Liotta, and he's brilliant in both of the roles to the point where he actually kind of has like this cult hero type status about him. I know I kind of feel that way. So, in order to pay tribute to Ray, I figured the perfect guy to have on the show today because we haven't had him on in a while. His Mets in first place, playing great. And he's like the movie aficionado. My good pal, The Ringers, Sean Fennessy, will join us next.
0: Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance, run your way.
2: So obviously I wish I was chatting with our pal on better terms as you get sad news earlier this morning, Ray Liotta, the great Ray Liotta passes away. And, you know, I think for kids of the tri-state area, Sean Fennessy, I feel like every kid I knew growing up, this was their coming of age movie. So thanks for doing this. And does that hit home? Like, I feel like for anybody who is like between the ages of 30 to like 50, like they think of their like coming of age and it's the Goodfellas movie, dude.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. Obviously, all Martin Scorsese movies are a big part of that. But Goodfellas is the one I was eight years old when the movie came out. Told the story on the Rewatchables when we did this movie a while back about how I grew up across the street from uh, the nephew of the guy who wrote the book, Wise Guy, that Goodfellas is based on, Nick Pelleggi, and I just, uh, I always felt very connected to this world and this story, and was always fascinated by it, and been fascinated by gangster movies my whole life, and, you know, obviously we know De Niro and Pesci are iconic figures, but at the center of that movie is the great Ray Liotta, who maybe didn't have that exact same kind of career as a Robert De Niro, but... I mean, were you ever disappointed by a Ray Liotta performance? Did you ever look at him and say, oh, he, did, he he wasn't really locked in on this one? You know, he always gave everything. He was an amazing actor.
2: No doubt about it. And I'm rewatching a movie right now. I, I just figured it would be perfect timing. Slow Thursday afternoon. I'm about like halfway through, like the 10 zillionth rewatch of Goodfellas. <laughs> but I mean, fantasy, the reactions with Lorraine Branco, the, the reactions with Pesci and Funny How. You tweeted about like the, The chaotic nature of the end of the movie when he's all coked up and and George Harrison is blurring like the ability to have that sort of feel as an actor to go from like clean cut mafia up and comer to like this coked out lunatic like, dude,
1: phenomenal, phenomenal work. Unbelievable transformation. You know, I don't know how many of your listeners have seen the movie Something Wild, 1986. Jonathan I Demme. have not, so I got to put it on the list is what you're telling but, me. But I watch it tonight, John, because it, it is uh, it is the introduction to the world to Leota and is the introduction to the Leota energy. You know, this mo- it's this movie that starts out as, it kind of seems like it might be like a rom-com almost. It's about this like free-spirited woman played by Melanie Griffith and this kind of buttoned up uh, guy who uh, played by Jeff Daniels. And they're kind of like, Getting into these adventures, they're falling in love. There may be like there's this sense that there's something not quite right about the story. Then in the second half of the story, Ray Liotta shows up as a as a criminal type, and he completely flips the movie on its axis in the same way that he completely transforms Goodfellas. As soon as he flips and things start to go crazy, and he gets increasingly paranoid and coked out, and he just had this like this quicksilver energy, this ability like to on a dime go from hey nice guy from Newark to. The craziest mother in the room, you know, like he really had an unbelievable power to just flip the switch as an actor. Okay.
2: You think about movies from a rewatchable standpoint all the time. You and Bill and Chris do a fabulous job with the podcast. Am I crazy to argue, Sean Fantasy,
1: that this is the most rewatchable movie of my lifetime? <sighs> we talked about it on on that episode. I don't, it's up there. It's up there, right? Like, there are a couple of white whales we've never done on the show. We've never done Pulp Fiction. We've never done uh, Boogie Nights. There's a couple that the three of us really, really, really love. Um, Goodfellas, for me, being a New Yorker, is probably the one that I've seen the most. And, you know, my like, growing up, my dad was a cop, and he loved Goodfellas. You know what I mean? It was. Not I, a, I feel like that's apropos, though. That's yeah, apropos of, of The the Trusted Area in a nutshell.
2: How could <laughs> you not? With that cast and the way they interact and the storyline of it, it's like a two-hour boom like
1: adrenaline rush mm-hmm. how can you not love the movie but you know it's also a great movie about friendship great movie about family great movie about living by a code even if that code is really immoral and corrupt you know it's a lot it has a lot of the same hallmarks of those 70s movies that we love too but the energy and the power in scorsese really like that this is when he has completely grabbed the reins and the, the control over his his vision and his ideas so i love it i mean i as soon as I finish rewatching Copland, which is what I'm doing today in honor of Ray Liotta, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch Goodfellas.
2: Okay, I defer to you on this because you are a movie aficionado. When you think of the most iconic Liotta scene in Goodfellas,
1: what would it be, in your opinion? Well, a lot of people have been pointing out just that first time we see him, when the camera starts at his shoes and it goes up as we see he's no longer the kid and he's oh, and he's thrown. smoking a cigarette smoking right a outside cigarette. the airport. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is an unbelievable moment. I mean, the other thing too, I think something that shows his range is the you know, am I a clown? Do I amuse you? Scene with Pesci, oh, which of course, that,
2: that for me, although fantasy, I kind of look at that more as a Pesci scene than I do a Leota scene. But Ray Re- is great. Just the idea of egging him on, like I, I noticed that a few minutes ago. I'm like, man, he really eggs him on here.
1: Yeah, and he, I mean, he looks afraid. You know, he looks genuinely like he doesn't know what his closest friend in the world is about to do. You know, there's something very tense about that moment. It's not just that that Pesci is so menacing; it's that even Leota is is uneasy. You know, is, is you can feel his skin crawling in that scene. So it's and also that like that loud kind of fake laugh that he has is unforgettable. Like, I, there's a bunch of other scenes. Obviously, also you know, my my uh, Chris Ryan loves to talk about the you know, robbing Lufthansa heist and the smack the in the Jimmy, shower. Wall. Yeah, yes, exactly. that's a great one, too. And I think there's like 1010 10 winds like blaring mm-hmm. through the speakers that like has yes.
2: all the feels and all the vibes. I'm admitting this to the audience, and I think this probably shows my age a little bit, Sean. But for me, the first role I think of with Ray Liotta, like from growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. it's not Goodfellas because, you know, I needed to, See Goodfellas at like a certain age to like yeah, fully yeah. understand it. It's Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams. Like, isn't it crazy? A guy goes from being like this unbelievable gangster who's playing all these roles in Goodfellas, and then he's like the most wholesome Shoeless Joe and like the most wholesome baseball movie ever.
1: Yeah, you know, it It does make me think about, you know, what could have been or what kind of a career he had. He's obviously beloved. If you look at the people in the industry talking about him today, they they all talk about what well, like a kind and gracious guy he was. But in 1989, he does Field of Dreams, iconic movie. In 1990, he does Goodfellas, iconic film. And then it's kind of a long while before you get a really, really, really memorable Yoda movie. And I'm not totally sure why that is. You know, a lot of Hollywood is luck of the draw. A lot of it is, you know, you're in the right place at the right time, or you pick the right part, or you pick one part that was the wrong part, and then another role goes to the to another guy, and he gets it. You know, he was good in a, in a lot of other movies too, Unlawful Entry, Karina, Karina. He's he's done a lot of good work over the years, but he never really got back to that center of the culture the way he was when he was Shoeless Joe and and Henry Hill in successive years it's kind of hard to know why and it almost in some ways though fantasy
2: makes you like appreciate Leota that much more the fact that he didn't go as commercial necessarily it didn't blow up the same way that a Robert De Niro blowed up like you know like for me it kind of gives you like that edge that like cult hero type of feel to it where like easily
1: embraceable, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, one thing that I noticed, like, last year, he was in uh, The Many Saints of Newark, the prequel to The Sopranos, which everybody was That's right, yes, he he, was. Everybody was very mixed on that movie, you know, because The Sopranos is held in such high regard. But he played a dual role. He played a, a twin brother of a guy, and he had a couple of scenes in that movie from prison that were unbelievable. And if people missed that movie, or maybe they dismissed it, you know, because they didn't think it lived up to The Sopranos, Revisit it just for his scenes because he, he even, you know, in, at 66, kind of near the end of his life, he was still an unbelievable actor. We have you on and on a much
2: lighter note, your New York Mets. I got to ask, first and foremost, did you stay up? Now, you're on the West Coast, so it's a little different, but you're dealing with a little one at home. So you never know what the schedule might be for Sean Fantasy. Did you happen to stay up for the entirety
1: of that game on Tuesday? So here's what happened. Uh, they go down 8-2 very quickly. Um, it's clear that for the first time this season, Chris Bassett doesn't have it. It was kind of painful to watch. I turned the game off in the fourth inning. Um, looking at Twitter, I see that uh, Lindor hits a two-run home run on the seventh, and I'm like, all right, 8-4, I got to tune in. And the reason I got to tune in is because this is a different Mets team than Mets teams in the past. This team never rolls over when they go down a bunch of runs. And so I thought I was rewarded because I tuned in and I got a chance to see the eighth inning live which was just, frankly, unbelievable. That seven-run inning was one of the most exciting innings they've ever had. The Giants helped them out a little bit, but I did stay up all the way to the end, and then by the end, I really regretted it, because that was a painful way to lose.
2: It was, and I know Diaz is going to be the center of conversation. It's funny, like, yesterday, fantasy, I'm doing TV, and, like, the topic is, well, do you trust Edwin Diaz? And my answer always is going to be no. Like, 2019 and 2020, I'm never going to fully be able to, like, overcome that, but Look around baseball. There aren't exactly a whole lot of top-notch closers out there. And so far this year, Edwin Diaz has done the job. Like, I kind of think you're stuck between a rock and a hard place where somebody like me is not going to trust him until I see him do it in the postseason. But it's not like you can go and snap a finger and go get a closer who's going to bring more talent to the table.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he. one, he's been absolutely terrific this year. I think I've watched almost every game he's closed. He's been in some very high leverage situations. He closed out a, a combined no-hitter. He closed out incredible comebacks, that big comeback against the Phillies about a month ago. He closed that game out, which was very tense. He's closed games out on the road in tough environments. He's been very good. His stuff has been electric this year. He's hitting 101. His slider has been nasty. So I've liked watching him. You could tell from the first pitch of that of that closeout situation in the tenth uh, on, on was that Wednesday night, he didn't have his best stuff. His slider was not biting, and he didn't have good control. And when he walked Darren Ruff on five pitches, you were like, "Shit!" <laughs> like the even with two you outs, saw Jock
2: Peterson coming to the plate after he hits the bomb, you're like, "This it. is not going to end well."
1: And Jock was locked in all night. He'd already hit three home runs, and he crushes righties. And I I had a bad feeling about it. I, it obviously was not the worst loss in the world because the fact that they were even in that game was miraculous. Diaz, I, I agree with everything you said. Am I ever going to fully trust him? No, but I'm not really sure that there's any closer in baseball that I fully trust. Right hey, now. I have a
2: closer who's on the shelf right now that might have a potential Hall of Fame career that I'm never going to fully trust. Yes, yeah, so and I'm I mean, also that, listen. I'm also spoiled because I had 18 to 20 years of my life with the best to ever doing in Mariano Rivera. So mm-hmm. anybody from that standard is just never going to be able to put me at ease. But I would look at that game as painful as it was at the end of it. It's another positive with the Mets, dude. They're never out of these games. The way the lineup is built, they grind out at bats. They don't have guys who strike out. And I think when you add all that up, fantasy, those are great signs of a team that can make a serious, serious run with the way this feels, with the way it looks. like As a whole, dude, I think there's a whole lot to like.
1: Can I give you my two trains of thought on this, my two yes. tracks? Yes, okay. so you're
2: because you are our long-suffering Mets fan, so you're obviously going to look at things a little differently than I am.
1: So let me, I'll give you my long-suffering, sad Mets fan perspective on, on the one hand. Yesterday's game is really a sign of what I'm afraid of, which is to say that they're now down two aces and McGill, and they don't have enough starting pitching given the inconsistencies of Carrasco and Walker. And so they might find themselves very quickly over a very tough schedule in the next six weeks. At 500, it's it's not inconceivable that they could blow their lead here. And then you know perhaps the Grom and Scherzer come back, and we'll see they fight it out from there. However, this team hasn't even hit that well, and they have the third or fourth best offense in the league. Their approach is incredible at the plate. Chavez it seems like has been an absolutely spot on hire as hitting coach because. They put the ball in play. Look at what he's doing, with at McNeil, bat. dude. McNeil is back
2: to being, hey, spray the ball, not trying to yank, whole sort of deal. Like, I look at McNeil's approach, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's Eric Chavez and Buck Showalter to a
1: take. 100%. And Eduardo Escobar hasn't hit a lick. Lindor has been very up and down this season. And Starling Marte has been just average. Imagine if one of those guys, and if you told me Escobar was going to hit 400 in June, I wouldn't be shocked. Plus, J.D. Davis has like the fifth hardest hit rate in baseball, and he's hitting 200. So if all of those guys have big months, they're going to be pretty dominant offensively because Pete is doing what Pete always does. Nemo is doing what he always does, 400 on base percentage. And McNeil is back to the 320 hitter that we know him to be. So it's a very exciting lineup. I feel like they could probably stand to add one bat and one arm at the deadline. And frankly, it seems like Steve Cohen is going to be, going to want to be aggressive because of the way they've constructed this team. The Groms deal is up at the end of this year. Scherzer, how many, who knows how long you're going to be able to have him healthy and pitching. So it's a fascinating thing where it feels like make or break right now, 45 games into the season. And it really could go in any direction because of the, because of the health of the pitchers, because of the state of the, the lineup. So I, I'm totally, utterly invested, as invested as I've been in, in decades in the team. And I just, I don't know how it's going to break. Lots to feel good about right now, but it could go the other way.
2: I understand that with the concerns with DeGrom and the concerns with Scherzer because of their age, because of the fickle nature of pitching. I totally get that the reason I think your team will stay afloat, like the schedule next two weeks is brutal. They're playing the Dodgers. They're playing the Padres. They're playing the Angels. They got the Brewers. They got a bunch of good teams without being at full strength. Your lineup and I think your manager are going to keep you afloat. Like the way I feel about the Mets is definitely influenced by Buck being in the dugout where I don't want to knock Louis Rojas, but no offense, Louie, you ain't Buck Showalter. Like if Rojas was managing this team fantasy I think I feel differently about this stretch
1: over the next two or three weeks. 100%. I mean, we talked about it over the summer, I think. The Buck hire is... I mean, he's doing what he does to every club he gets hired to manage, which is a team that has a lot of talent but is inconsistent, doesn't necessarily hold themselves accountable, isn't necessarily as strong tactically and strategically as you want them to be. And you put a guy in there like that and he completely redefines the tenor of the team. This seems like a very confident team. I would not describe last year's first place Mets in the spring as a confident team. They seem to be very fortunate, and things are very different this year. That being said, pitching is everything, man. If they don't pitch in the next month, they're going to be in trouble. That's it. Who comes back first? Scherzer, Degrom. I would have said Scherzer up until two days ago. Yeah, I would now have said the
2: same thing. Although I still don't believe that DeGrom report at the end of June. It seems way too op- optimistic.
1: Just like I'm, way too optimistic. I mean, that's in a month. I was not planning on that. I, I, I'm Obviously, I'm dying to see Jacob DeGrom pitch. It's been a year. It's been a year since we've seen and this And not
2: only a year, a year from where he was the best he had ever been. And that's a guy who won two Cy Youngs. Fantasy, April and May last year, I've never seen DeGrom pitch better.
1: Never. I know, but but do, do you subscribe to the theory that he forced the issue by trying to throw harder yes. and harder? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And
2: Darling has talked about this, and David Cohn has talked about this. I almost want to see Jake when he comes back throw 95, 96. You Me don't need too. to throw 101. You don't. Like the idea, and, and who am I to tell Jacob deGrom what to do? Like, I get it. I've never pitched to that level. I don't have that sort of ability, but it's like you have shown, dude, you're more than capable of being the best at that velocity.
1: Yeah, when he was pumping ninety-seven and winning Cy Youngs, we were all happy. So I, I, I don't, I don't need him throwing ninety-nine, a hundred. I, I just, I want to see him pitch again. I mean, he's one of the great athletes of of my lifetime in New York. You know, he really, he really was legitimately the best pitcher in baseball for a few years there. Can't say that about a lot of times in the history of this club. You know, Tom Seaver, Doc Gooden. That's really it. And I just want to see him back out there. So I hope it's June. It's probably going to be July if you had, to, if I had a gun to my head.
2: You're probably going to add both. But if I tell you right now, you can only have a big bat or a big arm, what would you prefer? Always an arm. Always an arm. Always. So Nathan Avaldi. I'm already, by the way, I've already told Simmons this. <laughs> J.D. Martinez for Dominic Smith, assuming they fall out of it. Who says mm-hmm. no? Dominic Smith would hit 50 doubles there, and then you get your power bat that you could put in the middle of the lineup.
1: Win-win. I w- I would take JD Martinez in a heartbeat. I'll t- I I'll take Rafael Devers even more so though. Oh, mean, if they uh, if they don't want if they don't I mean, want to extend I mean, you him. Would
2: get him out of the AL So it's see that's like that's such a conflict for me because like yeah it'd be great. <laughs> I don't have to deal with Rafael Devers 18 times. But then I got to see Rafael Devers, this stud, playing with the Mets And fantasy. I'm already sensing, being here in New York, the hostilities are growing, my friend,
1: between, between the Yanks and the, the Mets
2: fans. And the Met fans, because both teams are really good, both teams are off to good starts. It, believe it or not, it has not happened that often where both teams were in the playoffs. Ninety-nine, it happened. We came very close to a Subway Series. Two thousand, of course, we got it. I thought we were going to get it in two thousand and six. The Yankees yep. did not hold up their end of the bargain. The Mets, of course, end up losing to the Cardinals. Listen, it's early, dude. A lot can happen between now and October. But if you have both teams in the playoffs, then like you're. You're staring at that collision course, dude. It's a whole lot, lot of houses divided across the boroughs and the tri-state area, dude.
1: But you know, I don't know how you feel about this, and it's easy. I've, I'm always mystified by Yankee fans who hate Met fans. But I never hated the Yankees. I don't have that kind of. I I hate the Phillies. I hate the Braves. See, that's interesting that you say that. I, that.
2: Hate. I think it's a lot of the kids of the '90s fantasy from this standpoint. They grew up, the Yankees won every single year, and. Mm-hmm. I totally understand there's a jealousy involved there, right? Like you're seeing Jeter and Bernie and O'Neill, and, Tino, you know, like they, they win it every year. Like, so there is going to be Meth fans who hate that. Then you get the Yankee fan like me who gets annoyed where it's like, Hey, I, you know, why are you so jealous of me? What do you hate about me? All we're doing is winning. Ba, 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 ba. And it's like that neighborhood shit talking, you know what yeah, I mean? dude? Yeah. Like you grew I grew up with Meth fans, like, Hey, uh, Piazza's better than this guy. Like, it's just like, hey, I love it. It's what makes New York, New York. But you know, you want to like
1: rep your squad, basically. Yeah, it's. Just, I, I mean, obviously, if they face each other in the World Series, all bets are say, off. I say we may
2: not be talking for two yeah. years. We're gonna be. We will not be allowed to. Simmons is gonna have to be like our mediator, basically.
1: Well, what are you gonna do when Steve Cohen throws three hundred million dollars at Aaron Judge? That's my question for you. Oh, that's gonna rub me the wrong way. I mean, listen, Cohen <laughs> has
2: every right to do so, and he should. Like, honestly, if I'm a Met fan, I am full-fledged, do everything I can to annoy the Yankees, make my team better, and make them worse. Uh, I still don't believe at the end of the day Aaron Judge is not going to be a Yankee. I've said it 10 zillion times. Although his price tag fantasy has probably gone up about 70 or $80 million. Not he's, bad.
1: The o- he's the only guy in the sport who's hitting home runs that look like 1997 home runs. And it's nobody's awful- hitting home runs right now. And nobody's hitting period right now. I know. it's uh, He has just been absolutely unbelievable. I, I-, I can't believe it. I mean, I... Credit to him. I don't know if he'll keep it up for another 120 games, but rejecting that deal and then hitting 440-foot bombs every night, it's crazy.
2: Hey, betting on yourself. You guys yeah. know that. We work yeah. for the ringer after all. It's That's true. what we do around <laughs> here. We bet on ourselves. Listen, buddy, thanks so much for doing this. Nobody better with the history of movies as far as I'm concerned in The Great Show on Fantasy. Um, And Los Angeles, all-star game. Maybe Judge will be uh, the pot. Judge Alonzo in the Derby with me out there hooting and hollering like crazy betting for <laughs> FanDuel. I'm going to have to lock in my bets before I get on the plane, though, because we got to do something
1: about the state of California and gambling. Just a little food for thought. If they go toe-to-toe, I'll see you at the All-Star Game. I like the sound of that. All right, Fantasy, don't be a stranger. Okay, JJ, see you, man.
2: Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just
3: stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: Always fun having Fennessy on the pod, and listen, Fennessy, super into the Mets, and I'm telling you, he thinks there's no bad blood animosity with the Yankee and the Mets fan. I can sense it already. If both of these teams are in first place and both of these teams are going into the postseason, you're gonna have like a watchful eye on one another. Like I can sense it being around SNY, and for me, it's kind of you know a tough position where I'm working for the Mets television network. I want the Mets to do great, I really do, but not. Winning the World Series at the expense of the Yankees? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, like, you know, for me, perfect world is a Yankee victory over the Mets in the World Series. But, like, I don't even know if I can handle that. Actually, that's, like, a perfect dream scenario because it'll be great for the network, it'll be great for our podcast, it'll be great for New York City. But, like, the the build up and the seven games would take about a zillion years off my life. Like, I don't know if I'd survive that. Really, like... The emotions, the ups, I I can't even start thinking about it now. I, I I actually don't even want to start thinking about it. So Fantasy and I may not be on speaking terms in uh, October if there's a Yankee Met World Series. Along with many other Met fans that I know that hey, I love. Let's get there first, though, right? Let's get there first. Uh before we hit Jeff Money, I gotta say with the NBA playoffs, my goodness, what an absolute dud. What a dud. I mean, the Bucks Celtics series was good. That's about it, I mean these these playoffs have been terrible. They've been terrible. The games have been unwatchable. They have not been competitive. Hopefully, the finals makes up for it with the Warriors and the Celtics. I think that's going to be a really good series. I fully expect Boston to get past Miami with all Miami's issues. But these conference finals, I mean, the games have sucked. They have sucked. And I know so many NBA people don't want to like admit this, like or, like own it. Own it. The games have been terrible. See, I say this all the time. And maybe I'm jaded by it because I've had basically three appearances for the Knicks in the postseason in the last, like, 14 years. And I know what it was like when I was a kid, when the Knicks were in the playoffs every single year. Like, that was my life. That was my institution. Ewing and and Sprewell and Oakley and Starks and, you know, Camby, I'll give you the list goes on and on. But now, for me as a sports fan, taking my teams out of it for a second. Let's take the Knicks out of it and let's take Syracuse out of it. You tell me right now, I could watch the NBA playoffs on March Madness. not even close. It's it's not even close. It's the NCAA tournament by a mile. It's more fun. It's it's more fun. The skill is way better in the NBA. The talent is way better in the NBA. But like the drama? uh, What drama am I getting in the NBA playoffs? So far this year, not much. Not much. Because the two Game sevens you had in the second round were a total snooze fest. Brutal, brutal, brutal Conference Finals. All right, Jeff Money. I have a feeling we're going to be aligned on Game 6 of the Conference Finals. And I feel like we should be betting alternate spreads in any of these games. But Money, the four is yours.
0: What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pictures. It's going to be for Friday the 27th and Saturday the 28th. So for Friday the 27th, I'm going to roll... With the, um, with the Boston Celtics, minus the eight and a half. And on Saturday, we're going to a little hockey action. I'm going to go with the New York Rangers, minus the 110. So everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
2: Money, let's go. It's always great hearing your voice, and there's no in the world I'm talking yet out of Celtics. I mean, who's playing for Miami? That line is at eight and a half. These games have all been blowouts. I will be on the Boston Celtics in some capacity. I don't know if I'm going to lay the eight and a half. I probably will. I probably will. Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to be driving out east. Yeah, I probably will. Uh, I am surprised that Ranger line is at minus 110. You know, that's my initial reaction to seeing that line at minus 110. It actually has me a little bit concerned. Because I thought you might get the Rangers at like minus 130, minus 135. I wonder if that's Vegas telling you that Carolina is going to wrap this bad boy up in six. hope I'm wrong about that. The line, like, I, this is the first time I'm looking at the Ranger Hurricane line. I'm a little scared off by that line. It better move up for me to place a wager on it. Right now at 110, if it stays at 110, that is a buyer beware spot on the New York Rangers. Fun show. Spirited show. This month of May has been a blast, man. I mean, having the Rangers in the postseason and baseball every night, I mean, the only thing that will make this better is if the stupid Knicks could actually point deep into the postseason. I mean, maybe maybe at some point in my life, that'll be like an annual occurrence, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. Let's put it that way. Fabulous job by the great Stefan, as always, always kicking ass, taking names, doing what we need to do. We're back with a live show on Saturday. We got a full-fledged pod on Sunday night. Mets play at night. Yankees, Rays, all that good stuff. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Everybody be safe out there. Remember, the reason you celebrate Memorial Day weekend for all the men and for all the women who lost their life defending this country think about them think about any of our veterans the great Mike Hollis who was a Petrides classmate of mine who died in Afghanistan or my uncle Harry Help who died in Vietnam in 1966 and there are many out there who lost a loved one served in our armed forces think about them this weekend JJ out enjoy the weekend be good everybody